Hey, welcome everybody. So glad to have you at East Brainerd today. Already been able to meet a lot of you who are uh, traveling through. Also, some of you who are new to the area. Thank you for, for coming and sharing some time with us here today at East Brainerd. We'll let you know that when we get finished here, uh, you just saw all the um, little ones go, go running out and they're going to be going to uh, some class time and you're going to have an opportunity for uh, some classes as well. If you'd like to participate in those, you can find that on the back of your glory, praise, and honor. And um, you can look around all over our campus. There are different classes they are going to be meeting. We would encourage you to choose one and go and be a part of that and dig deeper into, into God's Word and also help you get to know some of the uh, East Brainerd family uh, that's, uh, that's here. You know, we've been talking all month, as Sean said in our video, about this idea of big. And I've got to be honest with you, I have... I've struggled a little bit this week with our big lesson. And maybe it is obvious because uh, there's no outline on the, um, on the front of our glory, praise, and honor. Uh, some of our young ladies earlier said, um, said hey, are you, are you preaching? And I said, yeah. Thought, well, we didn't know. There was nothing, you know. There was nothing there. And so we just get used to seeing those things. And I was like, yeah, well, um, you're just going to have to wait and you're just going to have to wait and see. You see, I, I've struggled specifically with, with the title uh, because so far we've talked about big risk and we've talked about big faith and we've talked about big love. And, and as you heard, I'd anticipated following those up with a lesson entitled Big House. But my, my thoughts began to center around the words of a of a rarely used and rarely read Old Testament prophet, and I decided to go in a, a little bit different direction. And as I was massaging this message that initially was starting out kind of being called Big House, it started becoming something bigger. And so I was like, well, I, I really don't know what to put on the front of the glory, praise, and honor. I'm not really for sure kind of how to do this, and Melissa was waiting, and she was like, I need something to go there, and, and I said, we're just going to be crazy this week. We're going to go blank. We're just going to put nothing, and you can feel free to take all the notes you want. You can draw pictures. You know, you, you can make out a, a, a list of things you need to get at the grocery store later on if you need to. Well, whatever you need, that, that's an empty page for you today. And I know that from the outset, the big title that I've decided on, well, it's going to bring different images to mind depending on, well, depending on your age. And I know your mind is going to go down a lot of different paths, so I'm just going to go ahead and throw it out there, and then we're going to talk about some of those different paths. Today's lesson is all about creating a big buzz, okay? Now, for some of you, you think buzz cuts, right? That's where your mind goes. You think big buzz, and you think... Buzz cuts, Johnny Robertson, you used to have one of those at one time, long time, long time ago. Some of you think about the, bzz, the, the, the buzzing bumblebee, okay? That's where your mind goes when you hear big buzz. There are others of you in the room to infinity and beyond, right? Buzz Lightyear. And still others of you, when I say big buzz, well, you think Willie Nelson, and there's just, you know, nothing I can do about that. Um, anyway, going on. All right, moving on. You'll, you'll get that later on. Uh, what I, here's what I want you to think about in terms of, of big buzz. I want you to think about people talking. I want you to think about words spreading. I want you to think about your Instagram blowing up. I want you to think about 
millions of hits on YouTube. I want you to think about how that you know, your product is getting five out of five stars. Your Yelp review is taking off. You are trending. There is a big buzz. People are talking all around about you. But more specifically, when it comes to the idea of a big buzz, I want you to think big buzz in terms of people talking about our church community. Don't you love it when people talk about church in a good way? Don't you love it when people talk about church, when there is a buzz and, and there is this conversation that's going on and one is telling another and telling another and people are just getting inundated with information about God's people and what God is doing and how God is working. Is he tucked away in your Bibles is the message of a prophet whose name meant the Lord remembers. His name was Zechariah and... In his prophetic message that was written some 500 years before Christ, he focuses on how God's promised deliverance of his people from Babylonian exile would lead to an even grander picture of the salvation and restoration that would one day come to the Messiah. And the whole book of Zechariah is teaching how that the sovereignty of God is present in history and over people and nations, past, present, and future. And then smack dab in the middle of his message, here's what he writes. And if you'd like to open up your Bibles, you can. I promise you it's in there. And you can also read the passages off the screen. Right in the middle, Zechariah chapter 8, verse 23. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In those days, ten people from all languages and nations will take firm hold of one Jew by the hem of his robe and say, let us go with you. Because we have heard that God is with you. And there's the big buzz. There's the big buzz Bible style. And yes, it produces a big house. When the good news is not simply spoken, it's embodied as a way of life. The good news that God has acted decisively and unilaterally to break the power of sin and death and to turn captives and rebels into sons and daughters of God and, and to those individuals into kingdom priests. This is a, a message about a, a life that gets lived out in such a way that, that people end up breaking through roofs and, and grabbing onto coattails in order to get in on it. It's the evangelized, not the evangelists that are actually going out and, and telling the message and doing all the talking. Let us go with you, they say. They've heard God is with you. But they've heard it not from the insider. They've heard it from the outsider. They've heard it from those who are wanting in. People are talking about what God is doing within his kingdom. And when they find out that you're a part of the kingdom, they say, can I come and have what you've got? Can I come and participate in that? I want to come and be where God is. And isn't this the dream of every community of God? That God's life among us is so obvious and it's so magnetic, and it's so contagious that people clamor for the privilege of joining. Rather than having to teach our members how to go out and grab hold of people, well, it's the people who are grabbing hold of us. Rather than telling our neighbors, come to church. Come to church with me. Come and, come and hear of God. They are telling one another that very same thing. 
One person is telling another and telling another and telling another. And before long, everyone is God-sibbing. God-sibbing about the church. I didn't say gossiping. Gossiping's a sin. You know that, right? Gossiping is a sin and a sign of a depraved mind, according to Romans chapter 1. And it's not gossiping that we want to have taking place, but it's God-sibbing. You see, gossip is derived from the phrase God's sibling, which referred to a close, confidential relationship. The idea that you have God's ear and, well, he has yours. In time, this was shortened to God-sib, and then God-sib. And by the time it morphed into gossip, not only had the word, but also the meaning shifted. It now refers to the betraying of secrets, or the spreading of rumor and lies. Where it originally referred to that confidential relationship, that, that opportunity where, where God is speaking with me, and, and I am speaking with him. And friends, that's the buzz that we want, isn't it? We want people talking about the relationship that our church community has with God. Any other things that we share about our church community? Any other things that we tell about one another? If it's not God-sibbing, then it's gossip. And God says, I don't need that in my community but I would love for you to talk about the relationship that I have with my people. And it's this type of buzz that we're talking about. This is what we want people to hear. And it happens in those days, according to Zechariah. According to Zechariah chapter 8, it's in those days. And while in the immediate context, it's the restoration of a Jerusalem or Israel after the exile, chapter 8 also describes what well, describes a time when God returns and, and God dwells with his people and, and what that community of God looks like when God is there in the midst of the community. It's a description of what happens to and in and through a people when God is at the center of them. And the entire chapter comprises a series of, of stunning acts that God initiates for us and among us and through us when God is present. In the pages of Zechariah, we find a picture of what a, a God-centered community looks like. And here's the first thing. A community that's centered on God will enjoy a tearing down of generational walls. A tearing down of generational walls. Chapter 8, verse 4. It says, once again, old men and women will walk Jerusalem streets with their canes and will sit together in the city squares. And the streets of the city will be filled with boys and girls at play. Zechariah paints the picture. This is what's going to happen when God is dwelling with his people in Israel. This is what's going to happen. The, the old are going to return to the streets and the children are going to be playing at their feet. You know, a curious pattern is emerging in churches today. Across every denominational spectrum, multi-generational religious communities are going the way of the dinosaur. You know, churches are either growing older 
or they're growing younger, but you don't see a whole lot that are growing together. And I think it's worth noting that the first division that God heals when he moves into town is not between classes, nor races, nor genders, but between the generations. Between those who are old and between those who are young. Under God's reign, each blesses the other. The old people sit in the streets, the children play at their feet. The old do not scold the young, and the young do not mock the old. Each enjoys the presence of the other. Each live in the shelter of the other. And as you begin to read through Scripture, you begin to realize, you know what? The idea of the generations are never far from God. It's never far from God's concern. Father Abraham was given the covenant for the sake of his son Isaac, who had yet to see the light of day. And then he himself would then receive it for the sake of his descendants also who had yet to see the light of day. And then Moses would come along to teach that very covenant and talk about the covenant commandments to Israel. And he would come with the explicit instructions to impress them on your children. The old sharing with the young and the young taking in all that they could receive. The ending of Psalm 22 speaks to a time when the rich and the poor seek to worship the Lord. It talks about a time when all the nations of the earth would turn to God. And the last verse reads this way. Our children will serve him. Future generations will hear about the wonders of the Lord. His righteous acts will be told to those not yet born. And they will hear about everything he has done. You know, in a culture that daily seems to separate or celebrate the widening of the generation gap, the community of God is to be a place that celebrates the coming together of the ages. The coming together of these groups is what you see in a community where, where God is there in its center. Young and old loving each other. The old passing on their wisdom and the Lord's wonders. And the young sharing their passion and energetic faith. This is the picture of the community of God. And according to Zechariah, these things happen naturally when God steps into the center of his people's lives. And so just for a moment, let me speak to our high school seniors for a bit. You know, when you leave college or leave for college here in a few months, I want to encourage you to seek out a faith community that has some gray hairs in it. Seek out a faith community that, that has individuals who are older than you so that you might be able to soak in the wisdom that that age brings. And for those of you who are getting ready to, to leave college and you're thinking about where it is that you're going to end up and what city and town and, and what kind of career that you are going to have, as you look to continue your ministry of faithfulness, make sure you do it with those who are older than you. Make sure that you go and take the hand of those who have walked the road before because let me tell you something, you're going to need someone to help you walk the roads of marriage and you're going to need someone to help you walk down the paths of raising children and you're going to need someone who can help you walk down the paths of losing your parents 
and saying goodbye to your family. You're going to need someone who has already been there and done that and gotten so many t-shirts that they can't even find a place to put them anymore. So when you leave here and you go out and you're ready to take on the world, don't try to take on that world without God. And don't try to take on that world without someone else who has already been in the fight and has the scars to prove it. You'll be blessed because of it. And for those of you who are older, you also know there is a blessing that comes to you as well. And so for those of you who are older here at at East Brainerd, as God draws more and more the younger generation into our midst, do not abandon them. Do not walk out the back door of the church family as they are walking in the front. Because while it is wrong for the younger to seek to isolate themselves with only the Instagram or TikTok crowds, it is just as wrong for those of us who are older to seek out the comfort of our church heritage over the opportunity to build God-centered relationships with the next generation. Those who are coming up those who are entering into adulthood need those with the gray hairs or the no hairs to walk beside them. And if they do not find you in the churches, then where will they find, well, where will they find their mentors? Where will they find their examples in marriage? Where will they find their examples in faithfulness. Over the last few years, there's been a charge leveled at our church's leadership that, that perhaps we have focused as a church too much on the young and neglected the old. And as a result, while our congregation has welcomed a growing young adult and college ministry along with, with many new young families, it's true that some of our longtime East Brainerd members have chosen to worship with other congregations. And I want to speak to that concern just for a moment in the context of Zechariah chapter 8. We need to realize that more than any other time in our life, men, women, and children are turning away from Christianity. There's going to be a chart here on on the screen. Now, I just want you to find your age group. So, I want you to find where you were born. This is a chart that deals with church affiliation, or excuse me, Christian affiliation. Those who have a claim to, to Jesus Christ and those who say Christ has a claim to them. For those of you born between 1928 and 1945, only 10% of your generation claims no Christian affiliation. For those of you who are baby boomers, it jumped a little bit to 17% for you guys. For my generation, it goes to one out of every four. One out of every four of my peers, no Christian affiliation. And for those born between 1981 and 1996, I want you to notice 40%, 40%, Claim no Christian affiliation at all. 
This is what has been taking place within our society. This is the challenge that we face as a church community. I would love to say that that trend is changing, and I would love to be able to tell you that, that there is a, a marked difference that is now going on, that, that there is a reversal of these numbers. But notice, from 10 to 17, that's a 7% increase, right? From 17 to 25, that's still around 7 8%. But notice, just from my generation to the next, you have a 15% jump. And what about the people born after that group? Well, they're known as Generation Z. They were born between 1997 and 2012. Anybody have children or grandchildren in this age group? Just raise your hand if you do. Children or grandchildren in this age group? According to Pew Research, this is the least religious generation of all. And while statistically right now they're at that 40% threshold, those who are on the leading edge of that, however, those who are older, who are right now going to college, that's up to a 50% level now of those saying that they have no connection to Christianity. I know through the years you've heard a lot about the millennials, but Generation Z's ties to religion seems to be even weaker. Those under the age of 23 are more likely to identify as atheist or agnostic. In fact, as you see there on the screen, the percentage of Generation Z that identifies as atheist is double that of the U.S. adult population. They are two times more likely than any other adult group to say, I don't even believe in any type of God. The majority think that church attendance is unimportant. And only 39% consider spirituality at all as important. York Moore, who is a member of the InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, a group that works extensively on college campuses, says, we're dealing with a population that are not even Christmas Easter Christians. They've never held a Bible in their hand. They've never had somebody offer to pray for them. It's the society in which we live. It's your children. It's your grandchildren. And so I want to apologize if at any time I or any of our church's leadership or staff have appeared to be uncaring or unconcerned about anyone who considers themselves to be older here at East Brainerd. That has not been our desire. It has not been our intent. And I'm deeply sorry if for whatever reason you have felt disenfranchised or distanced here within this congregation. However, I cannot apologize for focusing our efforts and strategies on the over 70 million people who do not have a connection to Jesus Christ. And I can't help the fact that the overwhelming majority of people who do not know Christ as their Savior is under the age of 55. Most actually under 45. And so while it might seem that our attention is on age, in actuality it's on relationship. 
And we need both old and young to partner with us in order to bring as many as possible into a life-restoring relationship to Jesus Christ. That's our focus. And when God is the center of the community of people, the generational walls are torn down, Young and old do life together, and it's a sign of God being among us. And that creates a big buzz. And people talk about that. Like, did you hear about that church community that's filled with young people and old people? Did you hear about that church community where, where young and old sit down and eat together? Did you hear about that, that church community where, where young and old are serving together? Did you hear about that church community where young and old share communion and share in praise and share in prayer and share in study? Did you hear about that church community? It creates a buzz. A big buzz. And as you continue to read through the chapter, you find that God's presence leads to prosperity and favor along with the restoration of justice and integrity among his people. The crops are growing and the wine is flowing. The land is at peace and neighbor is caring for neighbor. It sounds like the making of a great Facebook political ad. There's a healing that's taking place. And all of this healing leads to a recovery of spiritual vitality. And that's one thing that's missing across the board within our religious faith communities. A spiritual vitality that's strong. We're young and old together. Are growing closer to the Lord. This is what the Lord Almighty says in verse 19. The fast of the fourth, fifth, seventh, and tenth months will become joyful and glad occasions. Happy festivals of Judah. Therefore love, truth, and peace. Fast were going to become festivals. Times that have been set apart to, to mark the pain of Judah's past. Each fast, each fast had with it a remembrance of an event that had led to their captivity. All these fasts that they had been keeping to remind them of how they got in the situation that they were in. All the pain and all the sorrow now was going to be turned to joy as they celebrated the faithful remembrance of God. You see, when God is at the center, hard things become easy. Long roads shorten, mountains bow down. What once was mournful and sad and gloomy turns joyful, glad, and happy. And the people of God celebrate because he has promised beauty instead of ashes. The oil of joy instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. And this celebration, even though our past or our present knows sorrow and loss, it launches a big buzz where there are people who begin to talk and there are people who begin to share. And they say, you know what? There are people over there at that East Brainerd Church of Christ who are celebrating God. But I know that there are people there who struggle with addiction. And I know that there are some people over there who are on their second or third marriage. And I know that there are some who have been in prison. And I know that there are moms and dads at that church who struggle mightily raising their kids. And I know that there are people there who fight depression. And I know that East Brainerd has widows and widowers. And, and I know that there are, there are those who have a spouse that has cancer or dementia. And yet somehow, some way, those people continually praise God. 
And as a result, as a result of what God accomplishes in the midst of his people, people come running into the community of God because they hear about your faithfulness in the midst of the pain. They hear about your joy in the midst of the sorrow. They hear about the way in which you have said, I am putting my anchor at the cross of Christ and he is my hope for all eternity, no matter what happens in this life. And a buzz begins and people begin to talk and people come running because they hear what God is doing in the midst of his community. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Many peoples and the inhabitants of many cities will yet come. And the inhabitants of one city will go to another and say, let us go at once and entreat the Lord and seek the Lord Almighty. I myself am going. And many peoples and powerful nations will come to Jerusalem to seek the Lord Almighty and to entreat him. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In those days, 10 people from all languages and nations will take firm hold of one Jew by the hem of his robe and say, let us go with you because we have heard that God is with you. Wouldn't you love for people to say, I want to go and be a part of your spiritual community. And it has nothing to do with the worship. It has nothing to do with the children's ministry, the youth ministry, the young adult ministry, the old adult ministry, whatever ministry you want to call it. But people say, I want to come be with you because I've heard God is with you. That's evangelism. That's the buzz Bible style. It's an evangelism that is cross-cultural, trans-political, multi-ethnic, and classifying. And it takes each of us. It takes a church that is utterly God-smitten, as I saw one author put it. Individuals who are over their head with the holy of holies. It takes a whole company of people who have not missed out on grace, nor do they withhold it. For such a community, evangelism is almost effortless. The mere byproduct of God's presence and transforming power in the house of God just continues to get bigger and bigger and bigger. You see, people who live with God at the center awaken a powerful curiosity about him. And a community like that creates a big buzz and others want to explore and become a part of it. All because they have heard that God is with you. Friends, may this be the word on the street. May this be the word in the restaurant. May this be the word on the ball field in the classroom. May this be the word in the office place. May this be the word in your home when people talk about the East Brainerd Church of Christ. Let this be the big buzz concerning our church family. Let's stand and give him praise.